Welcome into the 216th episode of the Young Turp podcast from the Viner Four Gates Zoom room tonight. This is your host, Mason Viner, joined by Todd Carton. Todd, back-to-back weeks, you're doing the whole show, not just the non-rev guy, moving up. Oh man, I really feel like I'm I'm just uh, feel like I've gotten a big promotion, Mason. I feel like I'm listening to Aretha Franklin asking who's zooming who, you know? Yeah, and, and we got a new sponsor tonight. I do apologize. I'm a bit uh, under the weather as we're doing the show on this Tuesday night. But Todd, it's it's the packed show time. We got the non-rev report. We got a little bit of men's basketball season opening win over Niagara last night. You were out there and we got some football to get to disappointing week for the Terps in Wisconsin and the upcoming game against Penn State that Michael Oxley said is not a rivalry game. But uh, let's kick things off as we always do with the non-rev report. All right, let's get started. Should we start with the good news on men's soccer? I guess let's kick it off. We've been starting things off with soccer this year, so uh, let, let's keep it going. Yeah, well, since there's no women's soccer to start off with, let's start off with men's soccer. They uh, opened up the Big Ten tournament, took took uh, advantage of getting the top seed. They played Northwestern, uh, got a little bit of a measure of revenge against the Wildcats who came into College Park last year and knocked the Terps out of the tournament and uh shootout so this year that Maryland was able to take care of business scoring a goal uh late in about the 76th or 77th minute uh, to take a one nothing uh victory yeah the Terps uh, get it done and they're back at home at Ludwig uh, tomorrow night in the cold Todd yeah it, it's and it's going to feel colder than it probably actually will be because it's been it was so warm uh Monday and and we've had such a string of warm warm days that you know that 30 degree drop even though it's in the 50s it's going to feel cold you know um Maryland Maryland looked like uh, actually we should talk about this a little bit it looked like they were trying to give that game back to Northwestern they had two penalty kicks one in each half uh Malcolm Johnston who uh, was four for four on the year I think he got a little psyched out and the official let the uh, Northwestern goalie psych him out that because the guy seemed to take about 12 minutes to take a sip of water and wander around the sideline and do whatever. And Malcolm hit the crossbar with his shot. And then the Terps drew another one in the second half. And uh, Josh Bulma just kind of topped over the ball and Northwestern's goalie was able to make an easy save. But fortunately, uh, beautiful cross, uh, from from Johnston to uh, Colin Griffin, who got credited with the goal, I you know I couldn't tell. It might have gone in off a Northwestern player. The only thing I know is that it went in and it hit the back of the net, and the Terps came out with the win. Uh, they'll play Indiana on uh, actually tomorrow as we're recording this, so Wednesday night, and uh, it'll be a rematch of the game from last Sunday. Yeah, a game that ended uh, in a one-one tie in Bloomington. Uh, the other semifinal is in Piscataway. Rutgers will host Ohio State, and that game will uh, come before the Terps take on Indiana. Both games on BTN, so we haven't quite started our BTN Plus ads uh, yet in this episode, Todd. No, we haven't, but uh, I'm sure we'll get to them, Mason. I'm sure we'll get to them. Yeah, probably in our next sport, which is volleyball. <laughs> uh, the Terps down two starters this past week uh, played a competitive match at number 12 Penn State they did lose three sets to one and Todd 
as they have most of the year, just in the big moments, they just weren't able to convert. Uh, but they did get a win over Iowa three sets to one. And, you know, Iowa yeah. team's probably the worst in the Big Ten, though. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, you know, Mason, that Iowa, the Iowa game is one that Maryland really needed to win. Uh, it was a critical for the Terps if they have just to just to get some self-worth. I think it was their first conference win at home. You know, uh, they were again without uh, Layla Ricks and Raynell Jones uh, for that match. Uh, some stretches of just incomprehensibly bad play, frankly, by Maryland. Uh, you know, when you mentioned the game at Penn State, it is a problem that they've had this year, particularly against the better teams, is they, they were actually ahead in the first set, 20 to 19, and let Penn State finish the set on a 6-1 run. They fought back in the second set and got to within one again with at 18-19 or 19-20 or something like that. And again, just couldn't get over the, uh, as they say, over the hump and, and score those big points. So right now they're 14 and 12 in the big uh, overall and five and nine in conference. And it gets fun this week. Uh, they'll travel to Minnesota uh, Friday, number, who's number nine in the country. And then they'll, they'll get to play Wisconsin on Sunday, number five. Yeah, not an easy week for the Terps. And, uh, well, we just hinted at it. But guess where you can find both of those games, You Todd? can find both of those games on BTN+. And, you know, I hope some folks were, were actually watching the football game, which we'll get to. Uh, later on in the, in this podcast because they were promoting the for that Saturday only you could buy for half price of a, a one year BTN subscription so for 40 bucks if you were just wanted to get the Maryland uh, package you could have it could have had it for a year and i hope some people might have picked that up cuz it's a great it's a great deal yeah especially with those men's basketball games uh, also now on BTN plus Todd, go heading over to field hockey uh, on Thursday. The Terps won their first Big Ten tournament game uh, since capturing the title of the Big Ten tournament in 2018. A uh, 5-2 win over the host school, Ohio State. Yeah, um, and, and a game that, that the final score was a little deceptive. It was really a very close game, Mason. Uh, Terps had a 3-2 lead. Uh, late in the in the fourth quarter and Ohio State pulled their goalie and Maryland was able to take advantage of that and score two late goals for the for the big uh, big advantage the five two win but it was a it was a tough match for for the Terps um, then they came out Friday and uh, were just in, incomprehensibly flat in their game against the uh, Northwestern who's a defending national champion you have to know that they're going to come out ready to play and Northwestern just, they, they scored once in the first quarter, I think off a penalty corner, if I remember. And then they had a, a penalty stroke that was a little bit controversial, but the Terps were down to nothing and, and just couldn't bounce back. Yeah, the final Maryland falls two to one to Northwestern. Uh, they fall short of the Big Ten championship, but here comes the big one for the Terps. Uh, they head on to the NCAA tournament and Todd, are they the three seed? They are the number three overall seed. That's, that's correct. Northwestern two, uh, Maryland three and Michigan four to give you an idea of the strength of the league. Um, so Maryland will actually host 
uh, Liberty, who knocked Maryland out in the national semifinal last year in uh, double overtime. And so the Terps, again, will be able to get a little, little bit of a measure of revenge, perhaps. Uh, but this time, instead of being on a neutral field, they'll be at the field hockey and lacrosse complex. And uh, if they get past that, then, um, you know, they're, they're, they will likely face uh, Princeton uh, is probably the team most likely to, which will be a rematch of one of Maryland's three losses during the year, assuming Princeton gets that, uh, gets by their game. And that will also be uh, at Maryland. Yeah, all five teams that made the Big Ten tournament um, ended up in in the NCAA tournament. Todd, you mentioned some of them. Michigan, the number four overall seed. Uh, Northwestern, who you previously mentioned, seeded second. Iowa and Penn State uh, also make the NCAA tournament. So dominant showing uh, for field hockey in the Big Ten. The Terps come out with a three seed in the NCAA tournament and start their pursuit for a championship noon on Friday. Uh, at the field hockey and lacrosse complex against Liberty. So really uh, one of these sports and you see them a lot in the non-rev world, but there's just no easy games once you get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, absolutely, Mason. And, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think I kind of like Maryland's draw in this one, you know, there. And so they'll, they should theoretically that they, if they get to the championship game, they'll avoid the top seed North Carolina, but they'll have a rematch against uh, Northwestern potentially, who they split with. They won at Northwestern in the regular season. And of course, we just talked about the little two to one uh, decision that they dropped in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, so Maryland field hockey starts their road, like I just said, their road probably to the final four. I mean, I'm thinking to the final four at least, Todd, but hopefully their road to an NCAA championship on Friday. And our last sport to round it up, or we got two more, Wrestling and women's basketball. We'll go women's basketball first. Uh, the Terps played their last exhibition Wednesday night against uh, D2 Millersville. Uh, they win it 93 to 39, but Todd, a couple of notes. They shoot three for 20 from three. And um, yeah, just had a rough time uh, being efficient against uh, a much lesser opponent. Yeah, that was, it was a little surprising to me, Mason. It was one of those games where, you know, I mean, I guess it's in, in some ways it's similar to what we have with the men's team in that uh, Brenda is trying to work in a lot of new players, a lot of transfers. In, in her case, she lost, you know, 85% of her scoring from last year uh, to tr transfers and, you know, Angel Reese and Ashley Awusu being the two principal stars, uh, one of whom Angel had a phenomenal game in her debut at uh, LSU the other night. Uh, with 31 points and 13 rebounds, uh, but uh, so so maybe a little bit of a work in progress for the women. They did manage to open up their season officially at George Mason Monday night, and uh, they kind of just were in cruise control most of the game. They led wire to wire. They they went out to an 87-51 win uh, there. Yeah, four players score double figures for the Terps. Uh, in that a couple of their transfers put up some big numbers, including Abby Myers, the Princeton transfer. Yeah, and uh, Whitman grad. So a local a local Montgomery County uh, kid. She shot five for six from three. So that kind of <laughs> shut, shut, shut down that three for 20, let's hope. And, uh, you know, she, she had a solid night all around. 
what, six rebounds, three assists without a turnover, blocked a shot, had a couple of steals. Uh, Lavender Briggs, who came up from Florida and actually joined the team in the middle of the season last year, but didn't play at all, uh, had nine points, three assists, and only a tur one turnover. Um, Maryland, like the men, again, they don't have a lot of size, and they actually struggled a little bit with George Mason on the inside, which does not bode particularly well for their next game coming up against a huge team from South Carolina, who are the defending national championship uh, champions. Uh, South Carolina is going to start a front line of 6'4", 6'5", and 6'7". Um, and the downside of the news from that George Mason game is that uh, Diamond Miller left the game uh, early in the second quarter after playing just nine minutes uh, with a knee injury. And, and uh, Coach Freeze said after the game that uh, letting her sit was mostly precautionary. But then she added, but she'll undergo further examination when they get home. So that's a little iffy because Diamond Miller is, is a critical player, preseason all Big Ten, uh, probably one of the top two or three players in the league. Um, and, you know, you're certainly going to need her when you t uh, jump it up against uh, South Carolina Friday night at six o'clock. Yeah, the number one team in the country comes to the Terps annual whiteout game. And it's also on ESPN2. Todd, last one for the non-rev report. Let's get quickly through wrestling. Yeah, quickly through wrestling. I mean, off to a great start this year. I mean, uh, not the toughest of opponents, but wrestling had three duels last Saturday, dual meets where they wrestled uh, Bloomsburg, Duke, and American University. They beat Bloomsburg 37 to six. They beat Duke 37 to nothing. So all the Duke haters can be happy with that. And they uh, beat a American 29 to 10. Uh, the, the day was marred a little bit when uh, Kevin McCoskey uh, had to leave his match with an arm injury. And therefore that gave uh, you, uh, Americans six of their 10 points by virtue of that default. And he left in an air cast. So that was not a great sign. He was wrestling at 184. So he had cut a lot of weight because he's listed on the roster as a 197. So I'm not sure if um, coach Clemson's going to be a little thin at that, but the points that they scored 37 are the most they scored. The most they scored in any meet last year was 31 against American in the last season. And, and they, they put up a, a, some red shirt freshmen um, who looked really, really solid um, Braxton Brown and Ethan Miller and Michael North, the red shirt junior, who also shows some promise, but we'll see soon. The Terps are going out to Missouri and that'll be a good test for them coming up. Yeah. So we are in full swing of things, fall sports wrapping up, winter sports getting started. And that brings us to men's basketball, the Kevin Willard era officially underway. The Terps knock off Niagara, 71-49. to 49. Todd, thoughts? Yeah, uh, a game that I think was, was definitely closer than, again, than the final score appeared to be. Uh, Niagara hung around, hung around until about the middle of the second half. I thought the Terps kind of out athletic them, but uh, Maryland, some of their weaknesses were really exposed, particularly I thought on the defensive end, they struggled rebounding, which was not a surprise. 
yes, it was, was and wasn't a surprise because Niagara is not a very big team. And, uh, you know, when they get in the big, into Big Ten play, I think that it's going to be a real challenge for them unless they fix that. They were very vulnerable to backdoor cuts, um, you know, and, and their interior defense was, was left a lot to be desired. So, uh, you know, a lot to work on for Coach Willard. He did put out some unusual lineups. Even he took some, some uh, responsibility. He said he slowed Maryland's momentum in his post-game press conference. He said he slowed Maryland's momentum down offensively in the first half when he put out two terrible lineups uh, that hadn't played together. But, you know, I mean, it's early in the season, so let, let's cut yeah. him some slack. And I kind of like his candor, like, you know, just stepping up and saying, hey, that was my fault, not the player's fault. And, uh, you know, so so that was a ref kind of refreshing for me. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. I, I liked his postgame comments. I mean, when he gets up in front of the media and even the fan events and he talks, you can just tell that he's into it and you're actually getting, you're really getting what, what Kevin Willard brings to the table. Uh, Julian Reese, foul trouble early, finishes the game 7.7 .7 rebounds. But like you mentioned, without Juju in there, the Terps were in big trouble. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the next guy off the bench, although it was interesting, and again, Willard said in his postgame that he would have played uh, the Canadian, Caleb Swanton Roger, who say, he said has been practicing very well and, and seems to be solid defensively and rebounding. He said the problem was that Niagara had a bunch of 5'9", five, 5'10 five, guys out there, and he just can't guard those guys particularly at this point in his development. So we didn't see him until the till sort of garbage time. Ike Cornish also came in uh, with about a minute and a half or two minutes to play. He made a couple of free throws. I will say, uh, and, and I hear that he's playing with a little bit of a groin injury. So that may be why we didn't see very much of Ike. Um, I will say I was really, really impressed with uh, Martinez, Adrian Martinez, who who just brought a lot of energy, a lot of defensive energy off the bench, although he missed a couple of wide open threes. He didn't really, he had one play that he kind of forced, but for the most part, he wasn't forcing much offensively. And if he can start making some shots, he'll be a real weapon for Maryland. And the guy who came in behind Juju, um, Patrick Emelian, you know who he reminded me a little bit of? Dave Neal. I mean, being yeah, I can see it. Yeah, tough, I definitely can see it. Right, just not, not a little undersized, but tough. And and I thought that 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 was one thing that they really showed. I think they reflected a certain degree of toughness, physical toughness, um, and and bounce back. Uh, Dante Scott made a drive in the first half um, where he just made a terrible play and went flying out of bounds. I think he thought he was going to draw a foul, and he didn't. And he got up and came tearing down the court and blocked the shot of a Niagara player going to the basket. So, you know, I think that's also reflective of something that uh, Coach Willard is instilling in this group. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the biggest thing from Scott that I think we saw was he shoots four for five from three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If that can, is. Yeah, I was going to say, if he can do that, you know, I mean, even if he's a 40% free th uh, shooter from that range, he'll be – uh, terrific. And Willard said again in his uh, post game in his press conference that he thinks that Dante is going to be an all big 10, 18 and 10 kind of a guy. Yeah. Did, did you mean to throw in the terrific there? 
<laughs> Did I mean to throw in the terrific? What do I know? It was now it was a slip. And the other thing is, you know, Don Carey struggled shooting the ball a little bit. Jameer Young had a fairly solid game. You know, it's game one. Hakeem Hart had an amazing start to the game, but didn't do much after that. The Terps really as a team, I think, had a great start through when uh, Noah Batchelor came in and they were leading something like, was it 27-14, 24-14? And then they let Niagara back in the game there at the end uh, of the half. Couldn't really close them quickly in the second half. And just like a lot of the better teams do, especially early in the season, the door was open. If Niagara had a great night, I could have seen this one staying close and the Purple Eagles being able to do something. But outside of the point guard for the Purple Eagles, who had 15 points, name slips my mind at the moment. Um, really, there just wasn't much much offense from the team. Yeah, they had the they had a, an inside guy with a kind of an Italian name uh, who who was re- fairly effective, drew a lot, but uh, committed a number of fouls. I think he had four fouls. Yeah, Sam Iorio. Iorio. Yeah, yeah. Iorio. Iorio and Bayless were kind of the entire offense for Niagara. We won't spend too much time, more time on this game because the Terps uh, have Western Carolina coming in on Thursday. We're recording this on Tuesday night. So only a day between games for Maryland early this year, but things get real for the Terps pretty quickly, Todd. Uh, They head up after taking on Western Carolina on Thursday. Uh, Bimington a week from today they'll head up to the Mohegan sun where they get a game against St. Louis. And then one, is it against it's Miami or the other team that's playing in that tournament slips my mind or Providence. Uh, right. They'll play, they'll play St. Louis the first game. And then uh, I guess it's uh, the, a winner or loser bracket, I guess in the Miami uh, Pro- of Providence. So that's a Saturday, Sunday. So it's back to back again. Um for, for Maryland. So you have, a, but they do have a game in between against Binghamton um, also on uh, Tuesday, a week from the night we're recording this, the, the 15th. So yes. they'll host Binghamton and then they'll head up for, for that. Then they come home and over Thanksgiving weekend for, a, uh, well, Juan Dixon will come in back into uh, the Xfinity Center, leading the Coppin State Eagles. Yeah. And, and, I mean, like I said, those games, St. Louis, Providence, or Miami, those are real games. You get Coppin, who you're going to walk over. But then they're on the road at Louisville. Yeah. At home against Illinois. They're at Wisconsin. They have that stretch of Louisville, Illinois, Wisconsin, Tennessee, UCLA, St. Peter's. And I have to throw St. Peter's in there because that's a team that made it all the way to the Elite Eight last year. But even if you knock them out of it, there's no easy games in there and this team's going to be tested quickly. Their depth is going to be tested, but they got to stay. And I think this is one thing that I heard Johnny uh, Walt and Chris bring up on the radio broadcast last night, which I caught at the beginning of the game on the radio. They've got to stay healthy because when you look at this team, when you watch them play, they got nine, 10 guys at the most. And oh. if they start seeing injuries, things are probably going to get ugly pretty quickly this year. Well, particularly if they if they get some injuries in the front court, you know that's that I think is where they're they're they'll be most stressed. You know, particularly Juju Reese, and he is going by Juju now. I mean, that's how they now actually introduced him at the game as Juju. Uh, so Juju Reese will call him Juju, and and uh, you know, 
if you're if you're going to have to go with a, a kind of a front line of, of if he, there's an injury there and you got Swant and Roger and Bachelor and Emilien, you know, it's going to be a, a real struggle for Maryland. It could be anyway. You know, as I said, they have to clean up their rebounding and interior defense and and some of these backdoor cuts. Uh, or again, it's going to be a long, long season. And and that stretch that you mentioned, that's, uh, you know, I mean, it's maybe not a murderer's row, but it sure is no picnic. No, it is not. And we'll leave the basketball conversation at that for now. Before we get to football, we have a new sponsor here on the Young Turfs podcast. DraftKings Sportsbook has sponsored us and DraftKings Make can make things interesting over the weekend. Not that I don't think us as Maryland fans need it to be more interesting, but they have all the lines, whether you're talking college football, NFL, PLL come spring, the only sports book that offers Premier Lacrosse League lines. They have it all on DraftKings, the official sports book of the NFL. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team and get $200 in free bets with our promo code YOUNGTERPS. Uh, Todd, a lot of interesting stuff on DraftKings for the Maryland-Penn State game, and they do something a little bit interesting with these college football games. Uh, You can actually bet on each team's point spread, uh, how many points they will score, point totals for each team. Uh, You can get Penn State if they go under 14.5 points at plus 400 on the odds, uh, your usual game odds, which we always talk about, but we'll talk about in this part. Uh, The Terps getting 9.5 right now on DraftKings opened as a 13-point underdog, so money coming in on Maryland early. They're plus 290 on the money line, over under at 59-and-a-half. Todd, I'm thinking the under is probably going to hit this weekend in Happy Valley. You know, it could depend on the weather, Mason. You know, hopefully we'll see a, a more efficient Maryland offense this weekend than we saw up in uh, Madison last weekend. But uh, so – I you know, you saw you saw me making faces, wondering where's all the, why all this money is coming in uh, on Maryland to push the the spread down from thirteen to nine or nine and a half or whatever you mentioned. It's like, no, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, depending on where it was, it was you know Maryland twelve and a half to Maryland ten. And DraftKings opens at twelve and a half, and you know people people don't really like Penn State in the betting. That's something that I've noticed following it throughout the year is, you know, if when Penn State's given a lot of points, people don't really believe in Sean Clifford or Drew Aller. We'll talk about that here in a second on it. But yeah, I'm definitely thinking that Maryland's catching some eyes. You know, people notice the weather in the Midwest with Ohio State struggling. Uh, Maryland's offense struggled. So I think um, in the national picture, a lot of people still have their eyes on Leah in the Terps and Maryland, of course, getting the nine and a half points. So still a double digit dog to start with probably will reach back up there again, but you can play the Terps as well as all the college football action, all the NFL action and everything else on DraftKings download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now coming to Maryland, hopefully in December and use our promo code young Terps and place a $5 pregame money line bet and get $200 in free bets. If your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of the NFL Remember, use our code YOUNGTERPS. Uh, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply and see the show notes for all the details on all of that. All right, Todd, I mentioned it. 
Maryland heading up to Happy Valley, but we have to start last week a little bit and talk about what was a horrendous performance in Madison. Maryland loses 23 to 10, but it looked it looked bad. 23 to 10 puts it lightly. Yeah, you know, uh, some some games, you know, I talked about the uh, games being where the final score was deceptive, like Maryland's five to two win in the in field hockey, that that final margin was a little bit deceptive making it look more lopsided than it was. The final margin in the basketball game against Niagara was probably not reflective of 30 of the 40 minutes of that game. In this game, it kind of goes the other way. That 13-point margin, that game was really never a 13-point uh, game. There was I don't think anyone felt after the first two or three series watching Maryland that Maryland was going to, to really be competitive with Wisconsin at that point. And frankly, if uh, Graham Mertz hadn't been even worse or just at least equally as bad as Talia uh, Tagavailoa, you know, it could have been a much more one-sided game for Wisconsin. Yeah, the Terps struggled, and, and I, I have to agree with you. The only thing I was holding out hope for was that the weather would continue and Graham Mertz couldn't get anything going and Maryland would be able to stop the run and, you know, hold on by a thread to maybe score a touchdown, block a punt, do something like that, and come out of the game with a 14-10 to 10 win or a 14-7 win. The offense failed to adjust most of the time in this game. I don't really think the defense deserves that much hate. I think they played uh, a decent game, given some of the field position situations in it, uh, the fact that the Terps just couldn't get a first down. Yeah, I'm go I'm going to agree with you on that point, Mason. Actually, you know, and if you look again, uh, I I think that it was the game was 17 to nothing at the half, and it wound up so that Maryland outscored Wisconsin in the second half, 10 to six. I mean, the late touchdown was kind of meaningless, but still, the defense really did their job in this, particularly in the second half. They had. Uh, Wisconsin had a couple of explosive plays, including the 189-yard run uh, for a touchdown that I think was kind of a backbreaker almost for Maryland. But uh, the defense was solid. I think a lot of people are going to look at at the offensive line and see five sacks and and you know say the offensive line didn't play well and maybe they weren't great. They didn't run the ball particularly well. Uh, I thought that they, they tried to keep the ball too much on the inside and not get their playmakers out to the edge where they might be able to, to get into space and use their speed. Uh, but, you know, the five sacks, I, I, a couple of them I thought were really missed assignments by running backs and tight ends and, and really not the fault of the offensive line. And some of it was just, frankly, Talia was indecisive and holding the ball well far too long. Yeah, I think that this game showed a couple things and we talked about in the post game show, which you can see on our YouTube channel. If you're listening to our podcast on our YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe it for all the Terps content, uh, post game basketball and football, as well as year round coverage on Maryland. Um, this game just showed a really a failure starts with this team lives and dies with the quarterback position. Well, and what we see when you're running a zone read offense, an RPO-based offense, which Loxley's offenses have been for years since he came from Alabama. And while he was at Alabama, 
is the quarterback has got to be effective with the ball. And that means you need to be making decisive decisions, whether it's throwing those slants across the middle, which you mentioned, which they tried to utilize, but a couple drop balls there. Uh, the quarterback either keeps it or hands it off, but you can't be one dimensional in, in that look. And that's where Maryland fell into was Leah never kept the ball. The end was clearly crashing down. The opportunity was there to do that. And you're running the ball with unblocked pass on the defensive line. And that, that those two things don't go together well. No, they they, they really the don't. Failed to break out of that position. At some point, you would think that you may have been better off with a quarterback that could run the ball, which we definitely see that Billy Edwards can run it. And really, it was just not, not a creative game plan from Danny Nose and Michael Oxley. Not a friendly game to put a quarterback that may or may not still be injured into the game. And just from the second it started from the quarterback, not having the visor popped out of his helmet to late in the game where we're just, you know, have drop balls and miscues on offense. The team just never seemed like they woke up. They just weren't ready to go. They certainly weren't ready to play a team uh, that, that lives for moments like these, like this Wisconsin team that seemed amped up to play. The crowd was dead and Maryland just, just didn't bring it flat out. Just did not have it. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll agree with that. It's interesting, Mason, you talk about quarterback, not running and, and you just have, I just have to wonder how much of that is due to Talia's injury. If he's he more hesitant to run because one of the things he brought in his, in his first year at Maryland outside of that, you know, the, a couple of the horrendous games, particularly like this first game against Northwestern was that he was a playmaker with his legs. And, and now he seems to have lost some of that uh, or lost the willingness to, to, uh, you know, take a hit or <clears throat> whether he wants to not get hit on that knee or whatever. I don't know. And yeah, I don't really know what it is. I don't really feel like speculating about what, whatever the injury may be, but if you go back to the Minnesota game, they won on that Friday night during the pandemic. Leah was such a threat on the ground in that game. It gave Maryland a completely different uh, attacking approach. We just haven't really seen it this year. And the offense is the offense. It's built around a quarterback. That's not afraid to take the ball, not afraid to go around the edge and run it. And it really lives off of that, that triple, option look or that modern day triple option of we can throw the ball out of that look we can slide our quarterback out of the pocket and he can run it himself or we have running backs that can hit the big play and it's just it was disappointing to see them not take advantage of those moments and going up to happy valley this weekend going up to play penn state uh you're looking at another defense that's very talented that has a great defensive coordinator manny diaz and that's going to force Maryland to make big plays. And we'll see, we'll see what Maryland offense comes out this weekend. Yeah, Mason, let me, let me ask you as somebody who, who may know a little bit more about this than I do. Uh, what would Maryland benefit and would they be able to run this same offense if they were to sort of move the pocket a little bit? Because I think one of the things, one of the problems that Leah faces is his, he's not a big guy, and I think he doesn't get great downfield vision when he's standing in the pocket. And maybe if they move the pocket a lot, some and o could open up some lanes for his vision, 
he might be able to make a little uh, better decisions. And I don't know, maybe you can tell me I'm full of crap. No, no, you're not at all. I think that you have a quarterback in a situation that there's a few points on that. The first one being, I don't really think that they anticipated to be in the situation they're in right now. I thought that they really, really felt like they were going to have an absolutely crazy good passing attack with the wide receivers they have. And, and frankly, there's no excuse why they don't. They have a quarterback, quarterbacks at this point that have big arms that, that, or had big arms and injuries have kind of taken that away from Leah, I would say, but that they really thought could get the job done in any situation. And that, and that has not happened. It really just hasn't. So you start to look at what you can do. And when you look at teams that want to get a guy that they feel like can be on the move and can throw on the move, they're going to run slide concept plays out to the edges, get the tight ends running in the flat, kind of layer your receivers over it. We have a ton of guys, a ton of options. There is no offensive concept. I don't think Maryland has the players to run right now because they certainly have guys like Jacob Copeland who are still projected day two or day or early day three draft picks in the NFL, leaving college early that have less than 500 yards and two touchdowns this year. You go yeah, down and, the list and the, the under utilization of the talent is just jumps off the page at you. If Maryland really has four NFL offensive linemen, and at this point, Hemby, I think looks like a guy who's going to be able to at least get a shot in the NFL. Littleton, the same Jarrett Copeland Jones. Even if you say Demas isn't an NFL wide receiver anymore, Guys like Felton, Octavian Smith, who just have talent in the game. And, the and, don't, and don't forget the two the tight ends. Yeah, both of those and, guys, are and guys that are good on Sunday. You know, it's just, it's not what I thought we'd be seeing at this point in the season. I thought we would see a lot more shootout games, but going back to our odds from DraftKings, you get into the Maryland uh, on the positive side of your money. On uh, once they get to plus 100, I was talking about the points per team. 24 and a half is that number for Maryland. And I, I that that I guess is based off of the poor showing last week. I mean, they had, they had been averaging 34 points a game uh, going into last week. So the, I guess that it's that 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 number comes off of last week's poor showing, and maybe they just anticipate that Manny Diaz. So it'd be interesting. Uh, this is sort of a Miami versus Miami matchup, isn't it? Didn't uh, Diaz and, and Enos work together down at Miami? I believe they did. <laughs> and it, it is it is like that. And the guys know each other. I mean, Diaz has been around a long time, so is Dan Enos. It, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's sure. It's based off the poor showing from last week. But even before then, I feel like time in, time out, Todd, you haven't been doing much football here on the podcast, but we definitely have touched on it week in and week out. Every week this season, it's felt like something's off with Maryland's offense. Whether they've been scoring a lot of points or not, you know, SMU, they put up 34 points, but they were kind of scrambling it to put it together there at the end. Charlotte, the week before, Leah played perfect, but you still felt like there were, you know, balls were thrown behind guys. There was just, Charlotte is a really bad football team now. Yeah, one really bad. season. Buffalo, Maryland really never got it going. Purdue, they just didn't finish. You know, Michigan State, they looked all right, but they couldn't finish that drive at the one-yard line. They they had that pick six taken back. 
and you just go game in and game out and you're like where's the game where we're like we checked all the boxes and we boat race that team or we got in a real shootout and we had the better guys because we know we do it just hasn't come yet and there's three more opportunities this season there's still a chance to have a great win total wise year for maryland a team again that was a sports book across America had them at five and a half wins this year. They've already beat that total. Correct. So I feel like I'm kind of a fool for complaining at this point in the year, but at the same time with the talent that's on this roster, with the job that Brian Williams is able has been able to do, I feel like this team's just underperformed. And that's, that's not just me that's saying that. No, uh, you know, I mean, I'd, li- I'd like to argue with you, Mason, but uh, I feel much the same way. I, I came out of the Wisconsin game, you know, we talked last week and I said I thought Maryland was going to win. I thought it was going to be a bit of more of a shootout. Uh, you know, I didn't anticipate the weather and I think that certainly held the score down. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I came out having had sipped at least that some of that Kool-Aid and just keep, I, I like you, I keep waiting for Maryland to put it all together, particularly on the offensive side of the ball and, and can't figure out why and, and what's going on with that team and why they're not scoring like that. Yeah, well, Maryland's offense certainly has their work cut out for them. The defense kind of sees something similar. Uh, Penn State, a team that's been struggling on offense this year, then the Lions come in at 7-2. and two on the season, the number 15 team in the country. But it's been James Franklin's Penn State on display yet again, which means a team that's fantastic on defense just does enough on offense. Uh, They started the year off with a 35-31 win over Purdue. That game, uh, Jeff Brom really dropped the ball on. Mm -hmm. They beat an Ohio team that has had a rough year. They beat an Auburn team that's fired their coach since then. Uh, they beat Central Michigan at home. Northwestern, they beat them 17-7. to They lose 41-17 to Michigan. They beat up a Minnesota team with a backup quarterback in 45-17. to They played a really, really competitive game against Ohio State that they ended up losing 44-31. to And last week, they beat Indiana on the road 45-14. to But that did not come without its set of drama, Todd. Uh, Penn State slow start on offense. Uh, they finally pull sixth year Sean Clifford out of the game. He was 15 for 23 for 229 in an interception at the time and put in five star freshman Drew Aller, who we've seen throughout the year, uh, who went nine for 12, 75 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Franklin has been a guy that's really stuck by Sean Clifford, but I think Clifford's time is is ending in, in terms of eligibility and his probably I'm starting to think ending maybe before that eligibility is all the way up. Maybe, maybe Mason, I, I have a feeling that Maryland, at least at the start of the game, will see Clifford to, to open the game. And I think obviously if he struggles that Franklin will have him on a short leash, but I think he's going to stick by him. He's stuck by him for all this time so far. So you know, I, I, I anticipate that Maryland in the not a rivalry game, basically what Loxley said in his press conference earlier today, what essentially was until Maryland starts being competitive and beating Penn State on a regular basis, we, I, we really can't consider it a rivalry. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what I drew from from his comment. So, you know, but I say I do think we'll see Sean Clifford to start the game. 
Yeah, and there have not been many comments coming out of James Franklin on this. Um, Katron Allen and Noah Singleton run the ball really well for Penn State. I think we're going to see a lot of Singleton getting the ball, but Maryland showed, I think, against Braylon Allen and the Wisconsin rushing attack that when they're keyed in on the run, they could stop it. But there are a handful of guys you have to watch in the passing game, Parker Washington being the main one, a guy who's lit up Maryland. In the past, Jahan Dotson torched the Terps in Penn State's 31-14 to win last year. I think it is, all, all of that being said, it's not really a bad matchup for Maryland. I think the Terps' worst matchup is probably coming uh, the week after when Ohio State's passing attack comes in. I think that's what Maryland's most vulnerable for in the defensive side. The question, going back to the last couple minutes of conversation, is can this Maryland offense that still averages 440 yards per game, 260 through the air, even after a 77-yard performance last week at Camp Randall, can they turn it around and get it going? <laughs> and that, my, Mason, is, as the, as the old folks would say, is the $64,000 question. You're you're way too young to remember. That's an old. Yeah, TV that show. one. That one's straight over my head, Todd. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a it was an old TV quiz show that the top prize was sixty four thousand dollars. But um, yeah, Mason, it's it's the question that's going to stump us all until they take the field on Saturday and we see which Maryland team shows up. Hopefully, uh, let's let's hope they have at least decent weather to work with. I haven't looked at the weather forecast. But let's hope at least we have decent weather to work with. And then then we can see what Maryland can do. And, you know, I'll ask you, Mason, again, because you you keep more of this in your head than I do. Have we seen Talia have back to back really bad games at any point that you remember? I mean, we, we had like that bad game to start that first game at Northwestern. They came, we had a terrible game, maybe against Nebraska. But I, doesn't he usually bounce back from those those bad games? He has. I mean, it, it's really, it's based on the schedule. It's who they play back-to-back. You know, if they played Ohio State and Michigan back-to-back, he wouldn't. Or last year, you could look at those games. He's not going to play well in both of them. He did struggle at times, you know, it, during the year. But it's really, it's been the teams that are good with that have really, really solid defenses find a way to play under Bugs coverage against Talia where he's not really identifying where the linebackers are if they have safeties that sit inside on them and hover on his outbreaking routes. He has not found a way to not to see those guys, to identify hidden defenders and, and be able to look to a second and third reads. He's really, really struggled with that. Iowa's a team that executed that perfectly against Maryland. Penn State did it well, uh, which ended last year's game really ended, if you uh, Maryland fans recall, with a pick six that that tell you through to a linebacker that was sitting right across the middle. Penn State, a team that specializes in doing that. So it's not really games, game in, game out. He does do a really good job of turning the page. It is the defenses that that utilize linebackers uh, in zone man combo coverages that that he has really struggled to identify Penn State. Again, a team that used to do that, Manny Diaz, not a coordinator that does that as much, but look, pressure is going to be in his face. Penn State is a smaller defensive line. So for Maryland, the recipe, in my opinion, on offense to get it going is uh, let's see what Rakim Jarrett's status is in terms of health. Let's get Jarrett the ball a lot. He's played some really, really good games against Penn State. 
and let's see what we can do. Our linemen should be able to move P.J. Mustafer, a guy who chose Penn State over Maryland, Chop Robinson, a guy who transferred to Penn State from Maryland, should be able to move these guys out of here. Maryland, historically, takes this game very, very personally, and it shows with the results uh, and the effort that's been on the field in the earlier locks, the Edsel era, then the Loxley interim era, and you know if you skip over some of the Durkin years there, and then Loxley ever since he's come back. Maryland has taken these games personally. They've brought their effort to it, even uh, when they've been blown out. You can see that they're really into these games at the beginning. Lox wants to win this game. Maryland, I almost feel like recruiting-wise, needs to win this game. And look, you, you, Loxley said it best. It's not only about Penn State. It's about every one of these teams. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to beat them. And I think that's going to be what you have to take to the field uh, on Saturday. And you just got to leave it out there. This is your chance to have your opportunity at eight-win season and really put a signature win on this year, beating a top 15 team on the road. You know, you know, I it would put up, frankly, it would put the first, in my mind, the first real signature win on Talia's uh, career at Maryland. Yeah, I agree with that. And this is something that's been out there all week this week is Leah's breaking all these records Maryland-wise, but they really haven't beaten many good teams, if any good teams, in his time here at Maryland. They light up teams that are that are lesser than them or the same. They put up big numbers, but when it's really counted against the big boys at home or on the road, Maryland's lost games like to Michigan last year, 59-18, to Ohio State, 77-21, to Iowa when they got absolutely annihilated last year. Even this year. You know, you look at those same games when the Terps have been challenged against the teams that are considered to be the big names in this program. They put up 27 points against Michigan State, and they put up 10 against Wisconsin. If they want to change that that narrative, they have the opportunity to do so against Penn State and Ohio State back-to-back weeks. They had a decent game against Michigan, but really, that's his signature game at this point. It's a 34-27 to loss uh, in the big house. Yeah, I, as I say, and – what I'm waiting for is, again, the signature win. That that then adds some luster to all the passing records that Talia is setting. And, you know, the, the game has evolved. So setting passing yardage records and touch, passing touchdown records to me is – uh, a little has a little less luster to begin with because it's a more wide open game than say when a Boomer Esiason or a Frank Wright were, were or even uh, Hollenbach were playing for Maryland. Uh, so it's a little tougher, I, a little easier now to to stretch the field and set those records. And but uh, you know we need the signature win. We need that big win, whether it comes this week or next week. Uh, or maybe even in a bowl game, we, the Maryland needs that win to polish Talia's resume. Yeah, I agree with that. And and look, we're seeing a guy that he's breaking Chris Turner's passing record. You know, <laughs> Chris Turner is the guy that got in front of Gelbaugh, Asiasin, Reich. You know, it, it's that that's just what it is. And and that's just as you said. You know, Hollenbach's on there, and he didn't even really play that much outside the one year it's just if you look at the single season you see a lot of Milanovic on there you see a lot of Boomer but when you look at the career records CJ Brown's name's in there Danny you know Daniel Bryan in terms of single season stuff's in there a lot and wasn't CJ Brown a wrestler yeah I mean (laughs) CJ Brown probably played every sport at Maryland as long as he was there 
but it's 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 the sign of the times. It's almost like post shot clock era sports. You know, we see it in lacrosse right now. Every year there's a new record broken because the offense is constantly evolving and there's a shot clock in the sport now. Right. It's almost how you feel about football. You you look around, every school's quarterback from like 2013 to 2014 on is in their top five in, in almost every statistical category. Not to say that Leah hasn't had a really, really good statistical career at Maryland and hasn't changed the trajectory of the program like Loxley has been able to do at this point, but the records are, they're, they're records. They're meant to be broken. I feel like that's another old man term they can throw out there. They get broken over time. The game changes, things happen. It, it, it is one of those things where we need the wins. The wins have got to come. You look at the talent on this roster and the fan expectation or what the fan expectation has morphed into after a strong start this year. And you, you kind of circle this week, a team that's not that skilled on offense that found a way to lose to Ohio state when they had everything in front of them this year. Can we make that? Can we bring it upon ourselves as a team and as a unit to find whatever we didn't find last week, bounce back and win this game on the road. That's got to be, this has the opportunity to be something that defines uh, this team this season. And it also has the ability to go in the negative way, the same exact thing. Oh, we got punched in the face last week and we came out. We didn't respond to it at all. Classic Maryland. They got nothing. They're going to lose by 70 at home to Ohio State next week in front of 30,000 Ohio State fans. And this thing's just over. You know, we may win the next week against the desperate Rutgers team and get to seven and five. But let's all be honest. Seven and five were disappointed. Seven and seven and five at this point, we're seven and five. We're disappointed after the start, particularly again. You know, you mentioned the game at the big house. You know, that was a hard fought, close, close game that could have gone either way. You know, so so yes, we're we as fans are disappointed. But then again, you you did say, you know, coming into the season, what was the over-under for wins for Maryland? Five and a half. So how can we be disappointed with seven and five? Really? I, I mean, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's really, it's the Purdue game. It, yeah, I think it's really going to come down to the Purdue game. If they're able to beat Ruck, Rutgers, they don't win uh, either of these next two weeks. They're going to say, you know, we really had it going on. The offense never really clicked into gear. Defense had a couple of big plays taken away from them this season, but it, it was right there. It was really in front of us. If we, you know, get that two point conversion against Purdue and found a way in uh, in the bad weather or, found a way in whatever happens in these next two weeks, especially if they're close games. It was just like that season on the edge. And now all these guys are graduating and, and the program is, is in a worse place because we didn't have a good season when we had the chance to, but I feel like that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the season on this show for a lot of times. There's a game this Saturday, Todd, uh, bet it on the DraftKings sports book. If you can, if you're in a state where it's legal, if not, you know, a couple more months here to wait in Maryland, but you can sign up now with our promo code Young Terps. What's your pick for this weekend? Uh, Mason, I, I'm going to have to say as much as, as painful as I feel about it is that uh, I, th I, I, I think the Terps will hang in for three quarters, but I think Penn State pulls away late. Well, Todd, that's better better than what I got. I think this is it. This is our ugly moment. Here it comes. Maryland doesn't respond. Penn State punches them in the face. And I don't think the Terps have, have it together on offense to get back into the game. Penn State runs the ball all over Maryland. Defense dominates the game. Penn State 34, Maryland 10. Well, Mason, 
you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I was, I, you know, I was right on with my 35, 31 Maryland prediction last week. So, you know, I, I hope all, all the listeners will, will uh, take that to heart. Yeah. I don't think I was on, I think I picked it 35, 24 Maryland last week, kind of following after you, you really convinced me it was going to be a shootout last weekend. I, I'm going to give it to you. You didn't know what the weather was, by the way, it's looking ugly and pet and, and when isn't it ugly in happy Valley, but it's yeah. looking ugly up there in the mountains of Pennsylvania, 60% chance of rain throughout the day. Uh, let me pull it up again. High of 53, low of 32. Oh, so rain so also on Friday. So I, or are you looking at the, the Saturday prediction? Is that what they're predicting? That is Saturday? the Saturday prediction. So basically what? the same weather they had in Wisconsin when maybe a little less wind, not, not quite the wind winds at 14 miles an hour. We'll see how the rain goes. It looks like it's going to rain early in the morning. A lot of rain on Friday, early morning to um, maybe early afternoon rain, but it's, it's Penn state, you know, it's always going to be gray. A lot of times it's raining and it is a place, the only place where Maryland's been able to beat the Nittany Lions in football. So hopefully we see that one again, Todd. Hope so. All right, that's going to wrap up the show. It's fully basketball season, so a lot to be excited about there. Big games coming to Xfinity Center. I'd like to thank our sponsors, DraftKings and Viner Forgates, for sponsoring the show. Thank you guys for listening to the show. If you liked it, give leave us a review on Apple. Leave us a review uh, on where you listen to the podcast. It really helps the show. We'll be back next week. Um, we'll break down the Penn State game. Look forward to an Ohio State home game. Uh, it's in the six-day window again, either a 12 or 3.30 kick. The game will air on ABC. Terps Ohio State will be on ABC. So back-to-back, big-name TV for the Terps. Uh, hopefully they get it done in Penn State. And we're talking about a Maryland win over a top-15 team. And as always, thanks for listening.